Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Not only are we looking after our own kids, but we rashly said yes to looking after other people's as well. So there are five children plus Dave in the house downstairs. At any time, we could have a small child poking its little sooty face around the door. Like, you know, people talk about self-care and it either sounds like wanking or it sounds like putting cucumber (laughs) over your eyelids. (laughs) Yeah, either of those things are fine, yes. There was that time when Dave was away. I mean, I, I am not exaggerating. He walked out of the door and immediately the smoke alarm battery started beeping. We might make small jingles or something, but this bit we're yeah, going to call yeah. the running bit. The running bit, yeah. <laughs> and we could do a live jingle now we just make it up. Should we do it? Should yeah, do it. okay. Okay. The, the running bit. Oh, I hope you all enjoyed that. <laughs> Welcome to episode 150 of the Women's Running Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Newman, and she's your other host, Holly Taylor. We start off this episode talking about parenting guilt, self-care, trying to impress our other halves with taking the bins out, and feminism. We also talk about training for a 10K. Holly is concerned it might be harder than a half, as it's supposedly faster than a half marathon and she's never run a 10k race before. So we launch into how we should train for it and how we should frame it in order to not give us any worries beforehand. We talk about the London Vitality 10,000 and how we can all run it together and meet up afterwards and how we can successfully run it and celebrate each other without any pressure. We also chat about how running means different things to different people and how we needn't compare ourselves to anyone else. We've got a bit of jingle nonsense in there too, so enjoy. By the way, if you love this podcast, and of course you do, there is a way to get more Holly and Esther nonsense, and that's by becoming part of our pod squad on Patreon. From just £2 a month, you'll have access to our exclusive Discord chat room. There are free chats on Zoom with me and Hol, and we've got one coming up, weekly newsletters and silly videos and all sorts. Come and join us at Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash women's running. And just before we launch into it, we've got a nice little treat just for you. 
You know we also do a very brilliant actual magazine. Well, you can get your hands on your very first copy for just 99p because you're our pod squad and we love you. Just go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter podcast when it asks you for a promotion code. And there you go. Isn't that lovely? I am feeling quite flat. So, oh, are you? It's okay. This always happens to me when we record in the Monday morning, and then, yeah. and I always think, how am I going to be any entertainment whatsoever? And then whew, it picks itself up, and it'll be. Yeah, okay. I hope so. How are you? How's your weekend? I'm okay. I actually had a very, I had a annoyingly a very nourishing weekend, and I'm feeling good. Um, oh. Yeah, it was really, really nice. Um, I went home and I'm trying to work out all the things that I did. Um, I went home on Saturday and uh, to my parents' house and we had a, it was just such, it was stonking again, wasn't it? The weather. Yeah, my God, it's so hot. Oh, yeah. it, it, I really enjoyed it because they've got a situation. So in our flat, it's not really ideal um, because it's a top floor flat and it, it, we've got quite big windows, but like it's quite difficult to keep the heat out and the cold out like it's not a very well insulated place so it gets very very hot mm. very very cold um but um my parents have a little old lovely cottage that's quite cool and they've also got this which i think lots of people did during lockdown invested in a sort of garden room space so that's mm. where my mum works when she works from home but it's also got like a pull out bed in it um, and it's really cool and you can open oh, the nice. windows completely yeah. like it's French wind, French doors kind of thing. And you can just, mm. so that was really nice. So actually it was, I really enjoyed being there for the hot weather because it was really, really comfortable. And we just spent the whole time outside. They've got a really nice garden. So we had oh. a barbecue and then we just sat in the garden all night and then we put, logs on the fire pit and carried on talking and then the whiskey came out and it was just like one of those lovely kind of Aww. like cozy yeah family yeah. evenings it was really nice so oh lovely did that and it was really nice to see my sister because she has just finished um her college course so last kind of stuff that she has to do before she finds out whether she's got into uni and everything which is all a very exciting oh my God, scary yeah. but exciting stage of life where she's got a ridiculous summer now that's like four months long or something <laughs> um so she was on really good form and then um yeah it was just really nice and then uh yeah. had some had a friend round as well Lex friend of the pod came um and joined for we did pizzas in the garden on the Sunday and we just sat in the garden the whole time and it was really really lovely Oh, um, that sounds perfect. Yeah. And then when we eventually did get back to Bath, we were like, Don't, we're not quite ready for it to be not the weekend anymore. So we went and sat on, yeah. the, on the golf course and had a beer. It was really nice. That's. Not, I did see there was a comment yesterday on something that I followed that said, should we just make today a bank holiday? Because it feels like it should be a bank it holiday. It really felt like it should have been a bank holiday, <laughs> didn't it? Last night, was, yeah. it was. I couldn't convince myself that it was a Sunday night when I was going to bed. No, so I felt... had beers and was like, I'm just going to pretend. And then I woke up this morning and was like, I, I do need to have a coffee before I begin. Yeah, it, it does. Feel, it feels quite weird in, in, in this house because it's an inset day today. So which I have to kind of bring up quite quickly, just in case of exterior noise. We'll explain why I'm sitting in a strange room because I'm hiding away from everybody. This used to be um, the traditional room, actually. This, this was, was the a traditional return room. to our rooms. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, back up in the <laughs> office, um, which I hardly ever go into because it makes me cry because it's just full of Dave's it's... stuff. Oh, and um, it is lockdown space, and for me, lockdown space yeah. it makes me a bit. <gasps> yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not comfortable up here. Um, but we, we not only are we looking after our own kids, but we rashly said yes to looking after other people's as well. So there are five children plus Dave in the house downstairs, um, and Dave is trying to sort of minimise the shouting while we're doing this. But they could interrupt at any moment, at any time. We could have a small child poking its little sooty face around the door. Yeah, you, you are looking after really. the local chimney sweeps. So yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, we um, yeah, you know, it's the wonders of of modern broadcasting and yeah, of it is the way and, the world and, and works. Makes, it's just yeah, and and I think you know people will forgive me, but it's um, but yeah, that's that's why for us it definitely feels like a bank holiday. That not only do we have our own kids, we've got everyone else's kids. Um, we could just pretend it just, is. Not very many yeah. people on our team are actually working today. Oh, are they not? Shall I just say just say it's a bank holiday? (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. I'm sure that'd be fine. (laughs) Well, we could. What? How was? How was your weekend? You were off on on Friday, so I was off on Friday, Mm -hmm. um, and then yeah, the the last two days were um, were Dave was away, so I was. I was doing this thing, right? And I don't know if anyone does this as well, but like, so if, if anyone's in a partnership with children and one partner goes away, I have, I have verified this with one other person that this is something that other people do. Um, if the other person is away, there are moments during that time where you try and be super parent, just so that when they come back, you can be sort of sat there loosely kind of rifling through a copy of today's newspaper. Oh, they've been doing colouring all weekend. Exactly, exactly (laughs) that. Like a super clean house, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, everything is fine and the children are kind of culturally kind of nourished and, um, you know, that sort of thing. I do that even uh, on my own when Doug goes away. I like to come, I like to do manic cleaning and things so that when he comes back, I'm like, yeah, I'm absolutely fine without you. You know, yeah, exactly like, that. It's I'm fine without you. Yeah, it's, bin, it's, look it's at me stubborn, putting the bins yes. out. Yeah, it's a stubborn independence <laughs> thing, isn't it? Of like, it's fine. Yeah, it's of course just it's like, fine. I'm brilliant. Yeah, I, though I yeah. do always send a selfie to Doug um, with myself doing a sort of Rosie the Riveter impression whenever I take the bins out on my own. There, yeah, I kind of like horror. Yeah, yeah I um, because there, there was that time when Dave was away a couple of months ago and. He, I mean, I, I am not exaggerating. He walked out of the door and immediately as he walked out the door, the smoke alarm battery started beeping. Yeah, that happened like, to me like, the last time Doug was, was like, away too and I had a break, oh, mental breakdown. Yeah, this is it. And I was just like, <laughs> if I even touch it, clearly it's going to go off, right? Yeah. So this is going to be awful. And so as I did it, and I did it and it was fine, but I didn't stop sweating the whole time that I was changing that stupid battery. But anyway, so this weekend I was being... I was kind of, I was, yeah, I was trying to have elements of super parent, Mm -hmm. the cape, the cape was flying. Um, And so I did yesterday, I took them to this thing called, um, I think it's called the Forest of Imagination. I've heard of this. I actually would love to go, but I don't think it's necessarily something that as a grown adult, you can just sort of turn up to. I think you can meander in and no one would bat an eyelid. Um, It certainly wasn't. I, I assumed on a Sunday late morning it was going to be 
teeming with people. Yeah, um, Sergio Ramos. Yeah, and 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 it wasn't because it was it's a free kind of event thing that they put on every year. Um, and uh, this is the first time I think I've actually been to it. And it was one of those things where where it's like it's kind of like when you go to like an art installation. It's kind of like that. It was bringing the forest indoors. It was in the assembly rooms, which is a really beautiful space. Um, and there was these kind of craft activities. Um, and there were bits where the forest was sort of indoors, like lots of kind of grasses and things. And there was kind of little bits that the kids could crawl under and walk through and kind of explore and touch and da da da, all that kind of stuff. So um, it was a series of maybe kind of six rooms lots of kind of stuff to do it was like achingly middle class I mean I can't even begin to explain how much more middle class it could have been it was unless they were to I don't know give me a Lavazza coffee on the way in were there mums running around going Hugo come back you're going to graze your the knees of your Ralph Lauren trousers Exactly. And do come and peruse the waxing and waning of the moon in the, 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 you know, it's just, it was, Mm -hmm. yeah. So what the kind of end result was that my kids spent maybe 11 minutes in there. I was thinking this was a full day's worth of like event. It was 11 solid minutes. Did it cost you as well? Reflection. No, free. Oh, that's good. Okay. If it's free. Mm, big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. And on reflection, the day before, when I'd taken them to Morrison's to do a bit of a shop, we were in there for over half an hour and the kids were thoroughly entertained. <laughs> and of the 11 minutes in the Forest of Imagination, I'd say six of them were like, can we go now? <laughs> and me saying, no, no, you must walk through these grasses and explore this section of the, you know, it was like, do you Aww. want to do this craft? No. I don't want to do that craft. Now, can we go back and look can at we... that place where there were like rows of egg cartons that we were the other day and uh, and, and a big salad bar? That was a, that was a good place. It, there was a lot of like, <laughs> it, there was a kind it's of no, like... It's no Morrison's, is it? No, no, no. There's no, there was no Morrison's. There was like, is there a cafe here? Sorry, oh, no, yeah. there isn't. Yeah. So it was all a bit like, shit. Anyway, so, but the, you know, I did that and I changed the sheets. So I feel, you know, kind of... Eight out of ten super parenting. That's really good. I, I feel yeah. I, I I've been trying to do a similar thing. Obviously, not with parenting children, but with myself, because I have realised that I don't do any. Like you know, people talk about self care, and it either sounds like wanking or it sounds like putting cucumber <laughs> over your eyelids. Yeah, either of those things are fine. Yes, yes either of those it. things absolutely fine, and we love to do those things. <laughs> However, I feel like the actual stuff I've been trying to do with self care at the moment is the really boring stuff, where it's like treating myself like I would other people. So if Doug's here, I will cook us a lovely meal. If I've got friends around, I'll tidy the house and make it look lovely for them. But when I'm on my own, mm. I become a slug. And yeah. I'm trying really hard at the moment to treat myself with that same care. So I've been sort of like, I don't know, putting more loads in the dishwasher and doing a, doing a, a very hot whitewash and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it sometimes makes me feel like I'm accomplished and like everything's okay and I'm doing a lot better in life. And sometimes I'm like, this is absolutely no different apart from I've just got more jobs. Oh my God, that's how I feel about ironing. Yeah. yeah I, 
like maybe once a year I have a flight. It's usually over the summer. I think it's all my winter clothes don't require any ironing and all my summer clothes require a press. And around about that time, I think I should do more ironing. I should be ironing. Mm. Why aren't I ironing? Like I remember as a child, ironing was my job. Really? I yeah, can it's one of my honestly chores. tell you that I've probably ironed about twice in my life. I was I was the ironer. I, I can't tell you how old I was when I was doing it, but I think early, I was probably about 11 or 12, and I remember sort of ironing all of my dad's shirts. But there was definitely, you know, Sunday afternoon job. It wasn't like once every kind of six months job like it is for me. And then what I do is I iron all of my tops, and there's maybe like five summer tops. This is what I do these days. Iron them all, hang them up. I'm ludicrously proud of myself. And then I try and wear each of those tops about 17 times so I don't have to do it again. Yes, ever I think that's a really year. good idea. That's a really good <laughs> that's idea. It. <laughs> Environmentally it, sound. It puts me off <laughs> buying particular items if I know oh, they're yes. going to have to be ironed. Like I've got a shirt on today. You can imagine that oh, once yeah. these were col- collars sort of <laughs> with structure to them, but now they're just sort of like bits of old rag. It's I, I shouldn't have bought it. And it puts me off now when I see things like that, that I'm like, oh, but that's not a material that's going to just sort of be washed and then be hung up to dry for three days till I remember to take it down again. And but one, lift but once tail. you do those, once you do those kind of those tasks, I mean, it's, it's a bit like, 13 minutes into the podcast it's a bit like running isn't it Hol? oh well done it's a bit like... I was just about to <laughs> say people are going to be so angry at us we did get a, a negative comment once where someone said that all we did was talk about hoovers and mum stuff which oh yeah oh we've done a lot of mum stuff me, sorry not being a mum I was slightly mm. taken aback by exactly um, but yeah I was thinking I did make a joke about being a comparing myself to a feminist icon for taking the bins out so (laughs) maybe we should move away from housework otherwise people will think that we're I don't know not setting a good example yeah maybe not just to let you all know Doug does the washing up every single day in this house pretty much and I am a good feminist because I do absolutely fuck all and sit on my ass which is what it's all about so. This, the, absolutely that yeah. is, that, that's that's what feminism was after and yes. I'm a terrible feminist I was I I came from a, a hugely feminist background as we all know and um do 99.5% of all the housework apart from the washing up I think that's the only thing that Dave and he does put the bins out oh so, yeah, yeah. I, bins mm. is a joint job because we live f- flat five of five in a very tall building so it is multiple trips up and down the stairs for one person is a little bit is asking a bit much so we we do bins together I cook Doug washes up sometimes I help sometimes same way around sometimes we might swap those roles Mm. and then other than that Doug basically does everything he does the hoovering I've been but that's what I've been trying hard to do recently is do a lot more of my share of housework because I have the opposite thing to you. you. You thinking that you're a bad feminist because you do lots of housework. I have this awful nagging sense that I am not a good enough woman, which is so, so awful and stereotypical and exactly what feminism tells us we shouldn't think. But I think, mm. oh, I'm not, good, I'm not good enough at sort of like, what am I bringing to this relationship? And then I have to remember joy and fun and love and it doesn't matter and Doug doesn't mind if like there's crumbs on the floor. But um well he does mind and he hoovers them up while I go oh you missed a couple over there um but but I it makes me feel insecure definitely makes me feel insecure that as as women if we are in heterosexual relationships that um it 
that maybe men want us to do things like know how to iron successfully and it is just definitely not true mm. and most likely bollocks but do you know what i actually i hold back thoughts as well. that that have been seeped it, down for generations that come into my brain that i'm like of course i know how to iron i just choose it, not to it, it, <laughs> but okay right so I came from an, an ardent feminist background of which I am very proud. Mm, so do I. And I but I hold off my like womanly knowledge. Like so I have actually had points at which Dave has said to me, Can you sew this button on? And I've gone, I don't know how to sew a button on, knowing full well how you to sew do. a button on. Oh my god. I do know how to sew a button on. Oh, I, I couldn't. I was trained in how to sew a button. I was trained in how to iron a shirt. I was trained in how to sew a button on. I know these things. I know I, I, I don't even know, know what a yoke things. is. I oh, know these things. Oh, okay. Is that part of a shirt, part of a blouse? Yes, it is. Well done. Okay, I only know that from a sewing bee. <laughs> <laughs> This bit, it's this bit. It's oh, this is it bit. that it's bit? It, yeah, it's very... She's miming to her yeah. shoulders. Mm. I am miming to my shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Well, there we go. Uh, I just want to, before we start another mutiny like we did around shorts, I just want to yes. affirm that women can do whatever the fuck they like. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But isn't it interesting? We're coming from slightly different positions as we do with many things. Yeah. But we're but we are both coming still with a great big sack of guilt. Yes. Because we're not quite it's right. Like, yeah. It's like, are you doing that stuff? I had I had a my upbringing was was definitely very sort of female empowerment focused as well. But um, my mum in in the way in the sense that my mum was the main breadwinner in our house and my dad did all the housework and the cooking and the cleaning and things and I don't feel like I was and this isn't any shade to my dad he did a great job at doing all of those things but he didn't really teach me how to do them um and I think I have the exact same guilt where I go oh because there's this thing that you're supposed to be like because of the way that the world works, you're sort of, as a modern day woman, you're somehow sort of supposed to be this person who juggles 90% of the housework and all of those things. And also somebody who works a nine to five working week that was invented for men who didn't do anything else. And it is, I feel like when one of those things isn't being fulfilled, like you're not doing something right. And that is such unfair standards. And it's just, it's not, it's not feasible to work like that but because so many amazing women do it feels like if you're not like I fully relinquish a huge chunk of the housework to Doug because he hasn't been working full-time at the moment and I have so I'm like well you've got more time to do the washing up haven't you lad but actually I don't uh, they make there's a little bit of that that makes me feel like oh but I'm not one of those women on TikTok who's going oh I do everything and and so I'm obviously not being a good yeah. enough woman. And I'm yes. saying that with inverted doodles because obviously yeah, yeah. we know that that's not yeah, a thing. Inverted doodles. Exactly. It's not a thing. In fact, there was something that I was looking at at work. You know, you know when you just you scroll past an Instagram post and you just go, true, true, true. Yeah. And then it, it just flies away and you never see it again. But there was definitely there was something that was talking about women. Um, it was talking particularly about my generation it was talking about gen x i think and it was saying particularly how and and absolutely casting no shade on anyone that has come beyond gen x um, but it was just talking about how as as the daughters of of 
the kind of 19 sort of 60s, 1950s sort of feminist new wave that we had been brought up to be, uh, to, to, to work full time and charge ahead after our careers and to, um, but to also do all the other stuff because there was quite a lot of 1940s, 1950s kind of, yeah. you know, stay at homeness in, the, yeah. in kind of our, our kind of heritage and basically we're doing all the things all the time. But feeling and incredibly so right, guilty about every single one of them. But feeling very, very guilty about it. And now we're all kind of, you know, 50-ish. Um, and we're just really fucking tired. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've been doing all the things. But I think that's true of... of and well, okay, The other thing to kind of bring into that is like, I'd be interested to know how men feel about that because it won't be what we're feeling, will it? You know, I don't know. I'm really I, intrigued. I, I'm going to ask Doug how he feels about this immediately after this podcast, just in, yeah. a, in an interested way, because I thought I it's hard to disconnect sometimes what's just a, your experience as a human being and also a human being with access to things like social media and stuff where you feel a lot of pressure seeing how other people mm. live their lives and what other people do all the time. And you're constantly being thrown sort of yeah. aspirational content and you don't feel like you're doing enough or whether there is something more to do with gender that's at play. And I imagine it's probably a bit of both. I'm interested in mm. what my generation, what the impact, because if I'm sort of somewhere on the cusp of millennialhood and Gen Z, mm. I, want, I, I mean, mm. I, I just remember my mum working. I, I think it probably was the same thing, career-driven, but also... I mean, love her to death, but I suppose she wasn't the sort of, like, she didn't sew buttons back on. Mm. So maybe there was a bit more of the career-focused stuff and a leave-behind of some of the that stuff. But, yeah, I don't know what my yeah. generation is because I am literally on the cusp of, I could choose between millennial and Gen Z, yeah. which I suppose means I remember... What would you prefer to be? Millennial, that's way cooler. <laughs> but then Gen Z is way younger, so... I, uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm literally yeah. sort of a, a sort of amalgamation somewhere in the middle where I can remember 9-11, but I have also tried vaping. That's so, <laughs> that's probably where... And, and that's the distinction, is it? Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. say that's okay. sort of where yeah. I am, which is right <laughs> in the middle of the two. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's so much harder to distinguish, isn't it? Cause like, because like boomers you know, that's like, what, 30 years worth of, of you know, that was loads. And then yeah. in Gen X is, is, is also an, a, quite a nice big bracket of time. And then the, the brackets between the generations is because, smaller and yeah, smaller. Yeah, they've got smaller and smaller. So my sister is a different mm. generation to me. Yes. Yeah. mad because she has had the internet her whole existence. Yeah, that, that is mad. Yeah. I find Whereas that really I didn't, mad. I kind of remembered, like I remember having dial up and I remember having, if someone was on the phone, then you couldn't use Facebook or whatever. And I remember when YouTube came out and like, I definitely remember a time, like in my very early childhood, it, nobody really had, I remember when we got like dial up in the house. Yeah. And stuff. Whereas yeah. I guess Daisy doesn't remember I mean, she had an iPad from when she was about 11. And yeah. See, that's it. That, I think that I do remember looking at my nieces when they were sort of three. So my nieces are, well, the eldest one is 22. Um, 
and we, I remember me and my mum staring at her like she was an alien because mm. of the way in which as a toddler, she was able to use an iPad mm -hmm. in the way that we, that we were still like tapping at it as if it was some kind of massive typewriter, you know, kind of, and she was just swiping and we were like, oh, you know, she knew and understood how to use this technology from a really, really yeah. young age because it was kind of user-friendly, but not user-friendly to idiots that had learned how to type. User-friendly to a particular a generation of people who just yeah. use that technology all the time. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, Are we philosophers? <laughs> uh, like, obviously. Yeah. So <laughs> we should have, we move on from yes, the generation. Yes. Shall we do the running bit? <laughs> Esther and I are trying Ooh. at the moment to sort of work out how we do segments. We might do, we might make small jingles or something, but this bit we're yeah. going to call yeah. the running bit. The running bit. Yeah. <laughs> And we could do a live jingle now. We just make it Should up. Should do it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The, the running bit. Oh, I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> we'll get Dave to sample it. Um, <laughs> and loop it. Yeah. Yeah. And loop it over and over, and that will be the podcast. Um, but oh, shall we? Amazing. Shall we talk about? Um, that section was supposed to be us talking about what we've been up to, and that was 25 minutes of feminism yeah. and generational yeah. feminism discourse. And, um, but should we talk just about being, being being brave and putting the bins out? Yes, yes. Um, should we talk yeah. about 10Ks, which was kind of what we thought we might talk about with running? I mean, we can talk about how Let's our running's been, but maybe it would be interesting yeah. to have a more general chat because I've been thinking a lot about getting ready for the Vitality 10K. I know it's yep. not for another three months, but um, I've got quite a few holidays. It's summertime, which is just a really difficult time to train for a race because mm -hmm. every weekend is a wedding and then you've got a two-week holiday smack bang in the middle of something. And it's so it's joys, but it's all it's much more difficult to keep a routine. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so I've been thinking about it and the more I think about it, the more I'm really, really nervous because I just, I didn't really realize that I've never run a 10K before. Obviously, I have run 10K, oh. but I've never run 10K, a 10K but not a race. And I'm scared yeah. that it's going to be not for me because I am a slow plodder and I'm nervous that it's all going to be a bit speedy. And I just wanted to sort of, I don't know, talk to you about my fears my hopes, my dreams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's an interesting one because, um, because obviously 10 Ks can be speedy compared with a half marathon, can't they? They can, yeah. people can run them if they wish faster than they would have run their half or a full or, you know, they, they can, you know, if they want to, they can do that. Um, yeah, it's so it's all this it's this weird stuff. It's like it's like everything that we've talked about recently about the paces that we should run things, which I'm kind of I feel like I'm only just getting my head around the fact that my five oh, yeah. K should be faster than my ten K and that should be faster than my half marathon. But it's that word should. It doesn't actually have to be. Mm -hmm. And um I think that the Vitality Ten K that we're talking about doing, sorry, Vitality Ten Thousand, mm. um that we're doing my memory of it, because I ran it last year, is that it is incredibly inclusive. 
I do get and the impression it's I very said, inclusive. Yes. Yeah. It's like also really big. Things seem, it's really yeah, big. Seems massive. They it, it does always mm. look like there are lots of people of sort of different shapes and sizes, different ages, different uh, it does seem very like yeah, there are going to be a lot of different a lot of different runners with different goals and stuff there. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. I mean there were there definitely there are people that are aiming to get some incredible times um and you, you will get elite athlete athletes like you do yeah. at kind of quite a lot of these big road races and stuff but the vast majority of people are doing it for the experience so i ran last year with celebrate you which mm. it has this kind of big affinity with so that's the kind of briny gordon thing and it it was just um and at the time Bryony was running it as part of, she was doing a thing where she, I think she was running 10K in 10 days or 10K every day for 10 days or something like that. And I think this was the last of her 10Ks. Oh, that's a nice thing and to do. And she was going at it. It was a nice thing to do. And I, I know it was to do with kind of raising funds for, or awareness for, for one thing or another. Um, and uh, she was doing it with a bunch of mates. And I caught up with her and chatted briefly while we were running and her and the people that she were, were, was running with, she, they were just all talking and chatting and having a laugh and waving to people. Yeah, that's really and nice. Hugging people. So there was definitely no desperate kind of urge to okay. kind of forge ahead and to kind of whatever. And that's also, what I'd like on- to do. Like that's how that's how I'm imagining it. I think I just have mm. moments of nerves where I'm like, oh, is that what it's going to be like? Um, but I think you know because we're doing it as a group um mm. i i'm hoping that we're going to be able to chat our way through it and it will be about the day and not necessarily about the the 10 kilometers that we're going to run oh my god yeah absolutely and i think um i am really looking forward to it because the last time i did it i was trying to get pb mm. um so I don't know why. I just, I just got it. I did one of those. It was a classic Esther. PB like Queen. The night before. Yeah. I was yeah. just like, oh, night before. Why don't I, why don't I just try and, you know? Um, and I think I did. But it meant, it meant, as per usual, not a very pleasant experience to run. And when my dad met me afterwards and said, oh, you run past St. Paul's, I had no idea that I'd run past St. Paul's. Yeah. So, I would I would really like to because especially that last mile and mm. like I, I think the experience is going to be so great and I'm sure there are plenty of people who run around London all the time who listen um, but I have done one little 5k around London and we did that one in Battersea Park that was really nice but on the yeah, whole right. I've not really done much running there and to do a race that's got you know, proper, lovely, cool landmarks to see. That would be really good. Oh my god! I mean, you finished just by Buckingham Palace. It's it is it's pretty good. It's yeah, uh, it, it's so cool. And I just, I think also, like when we did Bath Half last year, um, and we know that amongst some other kind of issues with the race, one of them was that they were obviously expecting way more people than they got. And so that the kind of, you know, we, we talked about how between the waves, there was too much time. So it felt like you were running at the back the whole it time. It got quite scary. Yeah, it felt it, yeah. It, it felt a little bit like basically, which, yeah, whichever wave you started in, there was a hairy moment where you just, which it shouldn't be, as Lisa Jackson, friend of the pod, would tell us, 
if you come last, who cares? That's an achievement in itself. It's great. But it does feel a little bit like if you're somebody who doesn't necessarily like to be looked at while they run, while they run, it does feel oh as God, though yeah. you might be looked at if you're going to be at the back of the pack. Yeah. And yeah, when we did the bath half, it did feel quite frightening because it definitely felt like, um, yeah, for some reason it just kind of, they set the waves off maybe too far apart. It just felt like, yeah. I also still were- never understand this thing. I, I get how for an elite runner, you would go like, you would go first because you are seriously mm. like it's going to affect you. You're worried about your time by like seconds. So somebody being in the way or somebody wearing a big a costume of uh, like, I don't know, Barney the dinosaur or something is potentially going to throw you off. And, and if that's your, your part of your career or if that's something that you do very, very seriously, but I still never understand why in races they set you off in what feels to me like the reverse order that they should. Like, surely the people who are going to take the longest should start first. Well, it's to do with overtaking, really. Because if you imagine what that's like in a very small situation, like my my biggest gripe is that, like, for instance, in Parkrun, when I used to do that more often, mm. year before last or no, pre, pre-lockdown, um, people that there were occasionally once every kind of couple of months there was pacing in park one so you'd get someone with a stick saying i'm going to do this in 20 minutes i'm going to yeah. do it in 21 and people would put themselves in the wrong you, you could see them definitely you know and and i'd overtake them as a much slower runner you know within the, but they just wanted to put themselves at the front at the when you go at the front you've got a much better chance of having fewer people to run past fewer kind of obstacles to navigate and then you can get around in the time that you yeah. want to do it you know that's why that's why they do it like that maybe it would um, feel demoralizing as well because I, I I guess I was just thinking about like Bath and the fact that maybe it was just where I was in my pen and quite far quite far to the to the back but like I, I can't think of a time where like I wouldn't have been able to overtake or somebody wouldn't have been able to overtake me. Like there was definitely enough space and, and you yeah, do that automatically I mean, anyway, don't you? Because the, the bracket is quite wide. So if you're running between two hours yeah. and two hours, like because I have run halves in like two and a half hours before, I think the time mm. slot that I went into was like two hours, 20 and above or something. And two hours, 20 is, is quite quick. Like you're going to be running like, 10 minute miles or whatever maybe a little bit quicker have I got that wrong no no that's about right I think Uh, about about right yeah yeah, Yeah. 10 and a half and um and that's somebody who's probably done quite a lot of training and is relatively Mm. you know relatively quick and then you're also going to have people who are walk running or who are like I often find being in that last wave that there is loads of overtaking and undertaking and whatever else that goes on. Oh my anyway. God. Yeah. yeah. And so I just feel a little bit like, why couldn't we have just been doing this at the front rather than mm. everybody who else, everybody else who I'm waiting to go to the pub with has already finished. Yeah. And they're waiting for me because I started half an hour later than them, even though I was also yeah. going to take 20 minutes longer or whatever to do. The I race. know, I know. And, mm. and I do, I do agree. I, I agree to an extent with, um, with the bath half because mm. and and I don't actually I don't think it was their fault they just they just got fewer people than they were hoping for and so it was really thinned out which means that the kind of you know the groups of runners were kind of they were just far fewer people than than they were expecting so the gaps between the waves were bigger it meant that you the people that were actually in your wave there weren't that many of them yeah. so probably quite easy to navigate you know for people that were speedier or slower or whatever 
Um, but what what I what I was kind of referring to is that with uh, the Vitality Ten Thousand when I ran that, it was probably um, I think there were three times as many people as there were for the Bath Half. Okay, um, and it's just for a ten k. And it never, I was running at the back. I was in the, I was going off in, oh no, I was going off in the penultimate wave. They also had a wave for Ukraine at the time. Okay. So I was in the penultimate wave and I was not, I am not speedy at all. I finished in probably just under an hour. I went, you, you know, you finish at Buckingham Palace. I then had to walk to Green Park, which took about 10 minutes, had to get my bag, had to get all my stuff, had to re- retrace my steps. And then I was able to go into hospitality, which is just by the finish line. So it was probably another 20 minutes until I got there mm-hmm. to meet up with my dad. And that, that meant I could watch the people finishing. And there were still thousands of people finishing do you know what I mean so I was penultimate wave you know loads of people have finished way bit ahead of me and I was still watching loads of people finish 20 minutes after I'd um taken Mm -hmm. off and it just carried on and on and on it had not finished by the time we left even and I had I'd had lunch by then so um it just it's if you want to blend in to the crowd you will this is oh my god yeah this is this is the race okay but then at the same time it's also this joyful experience where you can, if you want to, so I hear, look at stuff, <laughs> you know, because they, you do go past some kind of like London's greatest hits. And um, and if I'd uh, spent any time not looking at my toes, I'm sure I would have seen them too. So Yeah, I think the, the running in, running the Paris half really changed my perspective on all of that stuff. I think I thought before that I just wanted to kind of run, get my head down, get it done and mm. sort of like run my own little race and it's still important to run your own race when it comes to like your speed and your but I I just had such a great experience running with other people um and we had great chats and we supported each other and it was like just at the time when you kind of were like oh god was when you'd bump into another pod squadder or whatever and it was just so lovely and it really sort of I think I just want, I want to have a similar experience and I'm hoping that Paris mm. wasn't a an anomaly and that we can still have a similar thing where, yeah, we can take it all in, enjoy the scenery and also chat to each other and support each other. And it's good to have chats mm-hmm. for distraction and it's also great to have them oh, God, for yeah. the, the, the supportiveness. Like we, yeah, in the last sort of 5K, I bumped into a, a, another pod squatter um, called Evelyn, who was very lovely, who was in Paris with us. And we just like at that This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wait, there was not much sort of puff left in us to do kind of like, so yeah, you know what? What, what do you do? What's the, or any of that stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, we yeah. did just have like that reassuring, like, you've got this, you've got this, like this long to go, yeah. like, we can do this, keep plodding kind of thing. And it was, it was exactly what I needed at that time. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that that's what it's going to be like. But I just felt a bit of nerves surrounding the fact that it's a 10K. And I thought, oh gosh, is there going to be that same space for that kind of running as there is in a half where everybody's plodding along much? slower in theory. Paul, haven't you always dreamt of crossing that iconic finish line on the mall with Buckingham Palace behind you and a well-earned medal in your grasp? Well, of course, but the 26.2 miles that you've got to run before you get there, not so much. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm not talking about the London Marathon. Did you know that the London Vitality 10,000 finishes on the exact same mile? You can have the same final victory lap without having to run a marathon. As if. Isn't running a 10k still going to be a little bit tricky? I I think 10k runners are meant to be of the speedy variety. Well, yeah, that's true. Some of them are. But if you join our very own Women's Running Wave, we'll be setting off right at the back without any time pressure whatsoever. There'll be space for speedy runners and slow plodders alike. Plus, we'll be starting the race together and supporting each other all the way round. Well, 100% sign me up. And also, quick request, can we have a cold glass of Savvy B afterwards? Oh, most definitely. And not only that, but we'll also be meeting up beforehand in our own special women's running zone where we can all do a little excited wee in our pants together. Sounds bloody brilliant. Head to vitalitylondon10,000.co.uk today and select the Women's Running Wave when you sign up to run with us, as well as hundreds of other brilliant women. Link in the show notes. Yeah, I, I definitely, it just really seemed like that. It really seemed like that. And I think um, I think what we can do as a squad is ensure that we're all, we've talked about um doing something uh, in terms of, well, T-shirts for a start, which I'm hoping I will have sort of, let's a it's, a, it's a kind of watch this space sort of bit of the, of the podcast. I'm hoping that there'll be something that we'll be able to do there. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, at the very least... Yeah, we're that we probably will be able to do that. I think we can say yeah. probably um, that probably we'll be able get to... Some, yeah, that we'll get some merch together so that we mm-hmm. can have, we can all be wearing the same T-shirts so we, so we can spot each other. Um, so I think that will be that will be a helpful thing. But also the other thing I was going to say is that uh, the Vitality Ten Thousand. How many times can I say this? It just it's beginning to sound as though it's sponsored by it's not. Um, that uh, they also do a thing which is um, a training plan, which is ten weeks to ten k. Oh, so I think that's look going. At that one. Go on the Women's Running website instead and look at us. There is also that. There is also that. <laughs> We will have training plans that will also be ten weeks long. What but we can do, they what might we have. Can... They've obviously that ten weeks is quite speedy, and that is quite, well. That feels quite speedy to me. 
for to train for a 10k yeah 10 weeks I think, doesn't seem like that long oh for a 10k it's absolutely it? fine remember okay. yeah it's absolutely fine it's not speedy remember how long how many weeks did you train for a half marathon can you remember how long your training plan was I think it was like 12, 11. Yeah, see? Yeah. See, I'm thinking of it as a similar time, but it's not. It's half the distance and... It's half the distance. It's half the distance. I think if you were going purely, if you were going couch to 10K, then you might want to add a few weeks on top of that because I think like couch to 5K is, is, isn't that eight or 10 weeks in itself? So I think if you were going... I've never done couch to 5K. Well, there we go. So Mm. I think think that in itself is kind of around about that kind of time frame so um so it, i think it's kind of one of those ones where if you can comfortably run for a couple of miles if you can kind of do that sort of 5k initially um in a, you know just in a slow ploddy way then i think that sort of training for 10k yeah. in 10 weeks is absolutely okay, ample that time sounds really good well i will mm. put 10 weeks of sort of blocking into my calendar um, oh, that's a good idea and yeah in the meantime Anybody who wants to join us, Esther and I'll be running. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a nice little team of pod squadders running already, but we do need more of you and we would love more of you to join us. So yeah. run with us. It's going to be fab. Uh, we will, I promise, give some more kind of information um, about yeah the merch that we're trying to sort out at the moment and also about the day um, as a whole. I think we know that we're going to have our own little zone which would be really mm-hmm. lovely so that'll be a nice meeting point and that'll be a great chance to meet other people who listen to the pod other runners and then um i'm absolutely sure that we will be able to organize a team glass of something afterwards yeah yeah so we definitely need to do that don't we yeah yeah, yeah I, I think that'd be really and nice. i i promise here on the podcast not to aim for a pb yes please promise that i just <laughs> I give up. I was just thinking about, you know, like when we were talking about, well, when you were talking about, you know, plans to do the 10K and how it can be speedy and everything. Even then, my little kind of weird brain was thinking, ooh, maybe I should try and get under 50 minutes. And then I'm just thinking, no, 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 why bother? Why bother? And I can drag this back actually into current training issues, if you like. Go on. Um, <laughs> right. So, fucking hell bloody running so I've been trying to do this 80-20 thing but I think I think one of my biggest issues here is that I'm not actually training for anything I do I have some very blurry kind of dates in the diary which I could do but I haven't actually signed up for yet so there is potentially um, an ultra which is just over a marathon distance in September there's potentially a marathon in October I've not really started I've not blocked out any time I haven't really started thinking Mm -hmm. about when I need to be doing my long runs I've not done any of that and I've not said yes to any of to either of these things particularly and also there's that 10k so I think without having that very specific goal like a little pin I am a little bit all at sea and it means I'm not taking my training seriously oh I totally feel you same it yeah. actually is fine it's fine that's why I, I think shit. I was sort of hoping that you were going to say that the 10k training plan would be like three months or something so that I would have an excuse to start something it's really hard to run and to stick to a pattern when you don't have you're you're not painting by numbers you're just trying to make it up and work out what's best for yeah. you I like painting by numbers give me a training plan where I can tick things off 
I, that it is precisely what I need because at yeah. the moment, like my 80-20, as, as I said last week, is more like 95-5, really. Mm. I might have said 90-10, but I think it's more like 95-5. Even that, even that five, I think is really, really lacking. Um, like I, I had this kind of glimmer where it went, I, I started running slower, but then putting more technical stuff in and immediately my VO2 max went down a point. And then after doing a long run or after doing something or other, it went up, went back up to where yeah. it had been. And I was like, yes. And then last week it went down again and it, it still hasn't picked up again. And I just sort of think, oh, fucking hell. And I've now got to a point now, every time I look at my garments, I'm running. I'm not running as fast as I used to, even when it feels like I'm running as fast as I'm used to. Yeah. but you I know were, that's really weird. But- I, I totally understand why it makes you go, oh, because you've worked hard for those stats basically and it feels frustrating to see them slip but don't see them slipping as a negative it's just a reflection on your life and being realistic you were training for a marathon this time a few months ago and you're not at the moment and that's fine everybody's got to have if you were if you were one of those like um bikini um body building people you know people who do like the competitions oh those yeah, 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 yeah 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 you would but you you wouldn't be able to do that all the time and you'd have an off season or whatever. I'm only saying that because I follow someone on Instagram who I went to <laughs> primary school with and she's that. And she always talks about being on her off season. I know. I know We've all I got know, to have I an off season. We do all need to have an off season. I think the thing is, is because I've been wearing a Garmin for like, I don't know, three, four years now, that it's not just that I can plot my on seasons and off seasons. It's that I can plot my age. And so there is definitely a thing mm. where no matter how much I train, I think, and I know I don't really train in a very professional manner, but like no matter what I do, there is just an inevitable decline um, because of because of age. So like my biggest numbers were, my biggest and best numbers were sort of um, maybe three years ago. And I and I haven't been able to get back up, even though my training has been sometimes more intense, definitely more focused, mm. definitely better. Actually, I'd say objectively better because I've done more strength, I've done more kind of flexibility, and I've done more stuff. Um, it I, I've I can't get that it. I am currently three points away from where I was there, and I yeah. don't think I can ever get back. And I think I just need to kind of, I think I just need to accept it. Mm. And also actually kind of, and, and this is so hashtag be kind, um, but I know, I know you're on board with that. You know um, I am. But I, I think also to be kind to myself in that I am currently in better shape. I don't mean aesthetically. Um, I just mean kind of, you generally mm-hmm. generally better fitter shape yeah um uh kind of inside yes. if you see what i mean the pipes fitter are inside all clean the, pipes. the cogs are all oiled and stuff exactly yeah then i was in my 20s and 30s and probably a good portion of my 40s that um that i think i just need to appreciate actually how far I've come and what my body now can do which it couldn't do yeah yeah yeah. and I think it's about like 
I mean, I think there are plenty of people who probably get PBs in their, you know, 50s, 60s. But I think, um, I mean, hopefully I will be because I definitely hope to be in better shape as I get older rather than the other way around. And again, I don't mean aesthetically um, because in uni, I just spent my whole time drinking pints and not really doing anything else. Um and I've been trying ever since Same. to kind of, yeah, to kind of have a reverse effect of kind of, yeah. kind of feel younger as I get older a little bit. But um, I was going to say that I think there's also something to be said for like reframing the goals a bit, because I know yeah. that in the back of your mind always, because you're quite, you're a more driven person than me when it comes to that stuff. You probably are thinking about um, numbers and PBs mm. and how pacing and stuff like that but I think there are definite things that you could reframe that mindset and be like I still ha- I still haven't achieved this or I still haven't done this like yeah running a 50k ultra or I'm not saying that you need to do that but you know those things are there are definitely still goals that you can do that have absolutely nothing to do with you feeling like you yeah. don't have the same um you know, ability to run super, super speedily anymore yeah. that can feel like yeah. massive achievements and can make you feel like you are an epic runner, which you are. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. And I I do, I absolutely do, do think that there are some things that I have, I think, I think, especially when I started the job. So that's the other thing, like when we're talking about imposter syndrome, it's like being the editor of Women's Running Magazine mm. makes me feel like I should be you know, doing two and a half hour marathons and I should be running ultras every weekend and I should be kind of, you know, making sure that I'm doing them over ice and in sand and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think to, 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 to kind of, um, to achieve a kind of at peace experience, (laughs) it's been one where I've sort of thought to myself, well, okay, I never, ever, ever want to run at all. Um, in a country that is sort of 90% ice because I would just dissolve because of the Reynard. So I'm not going to do that. Um, I don't actually want to do the Marathon de Sabla. I absolutely want to celebrate the women that do those things. I don't want to do them myself. They're insane. They're amazing. They're so, so clever. Amazing. But I think think the the thing is they they are a small portion of people and it is so inspiring to watch them do their thing. Unbelievably so. Like, don't get me wrong, like looking at, at sort of elite athletes is a huge source of inspiration for people. But it's not, oh, how can I do what they're doing? Or that looks really fun, I want to join in or that. Mm. And I think I would hazard a guess as to say, Esther, that you're the reason that everybody loves you as the editor of Women's Running is because there is a lot of their running that they can see in yours. And that's how I feel. And I wouldn't have started running if I hadn't started working on women's running and you hadn't gone, let's do a half marathon together. And I thought, go on, I probably could do that because like, although I can see that you are brilliant and I know that you are, you're a great runner. I wouldn't think Esther's got no idea. Yeah. I, I would think she knows what it's like to have a person with a, full-time job and a busy life and lots of other things to juggle and to try and fit running in and to have not always enjoyed running at certain times in her life and to have sometimes preferred having a ciggy and a pint of cider in a pub garden or whatever but she understands 
what might be true apart from the cider part yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah actually I didn't peg you with the cider quite there but um but yeah I think it's yeah it's it, it's it's the relatable aspect of, of you. I was gonna say are you trying to say I'm relatable I'm trying to say that you're an influencer oh huh? <laughs> so you so you well yeah I think I worry for the wrong things like yeah you're influencing people with your oodies and your uh... thank you I am influencing people with my oodies (laughs) eating chips is probably the only thing that I'm good at influencing people for but I think yeah joking aside we yeah you should have full confidence in the fact that you, as for, for what you said about being the editor of Women's Running, and same with me for Digital Editor, I get exactly the same mm. imposter syndrome that we should be brilliant. And if we ever meet people on sort of press days and things who are from Runner's World and stuff, it's yeah. like, oh God. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, um, I actually went for a run last week um, and <laughs> it was just like sort of around the park and it took me about 45 minutes to do a, do two miles uh like it is awful talking to them and so I feel I feel oh, very embarrassed every time yeah but we shouldn't because what we're doing is encouraging people to run because it's fun and mm. you get to be part of this cool gang <laughs> super cool gang <laughs> And you get to feel lovely afterwards. It's the yeah. it's the feeling it's the feeling amazing afterwards. Yeah. That's that's the kind of the, the end goal, yeah. isn't it? It's a, and that it can yeah. be a part of your life that is a brings you great joy and is a thing that is hugely fulfilling and lovely in your life, but it doesn't necessarily and we welcome the people who it's their whole life, but that it mm. doesn't necessarily you're not excluded from the gang because it's not your whole life. And if you're yeah. starting to talk about like you know seriously increasing your vo2 max or getting pbs or it might have to get to a point where running becomes a part of your life that is a lot there's a lot more weight on it than there might be on other things and that's fine if that's a real Mm. goal for you but that is also like if you don't want to do that you know you don't you, you care more about your relationships with other people or with pursuing mm. other hobbies or with drinking wine or not worrying to you know not being too strict in your nutrition if there are other things that you would that you want to prioritize more than getting a pb then all power to you and welcome to the gang oh, is, yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and wasn't it didn't you think that like when we were in paris i thought that that was such a um, such a brilliant kind of microcosm of 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 this kind of yeah hellish club that we've created um just in the that there was just like I loved the fact that it was like 50 of us and there was there was you know a big portion of us that that were just hoping to huff our way around yeah. the course but there were also some some mightily speedy runners there and what I loved was the way in which we didn't really talk about time but we just sort of came together yeah and everyone was supporting each other and everyone everyone the experience of it was more than the time oh yeah it was it you was know? pod squad first energy wasn't yeah. it it yeah. was like yeah. pod squad first running after and everybody wanted to make sure that each other were okay that they yeah. every single person that we went with there even though there were yeah some incredibly speedy people and i know that in our community there are some people who are amazing um yeah. i mean everyone's amazing but people who have achieved the sort of numbers that we could never dream of but the one Mm. thing that I think we all have in common and everybody in Paris the last time we all got together was 
um, that they would have stopped and sacrificed minutes of their time if one of the other pod squatters had fallen over or something had gone wrong or yeah. A, a yeah. times a million everybody would have would have done that absolutely but then out, and and at the other end of the, the scale of things we were all celebrating the ones that were coming in like oh yeah completely hours, hours before the rest of us yeah and and yeah and that they were given the space to be to be able to celebrate their ambitions and their successes as well so I think it yeah. was kind of that kind of inclusivity and that I really do hope that when we come to do um, Vitality 10,000 it's going to be the same sort of um, euphoric kind of feel of community because well because that's what we've kind of tried to try to do so far I'm sure it will be I'm sure it will be it will be um, I'm sure it will be but yeah. yeah, love you guys. That was, I love suppose, you guys. what that segment was. Yeah, <laughs> you, you guys are great. You guys are great. Um, should we move on to emails? Yes, I've got a letter for you. I, the one thing I'm really upset that I didn't get to ask you this week because we talked about other things too much was mm. that I wanted to quickly ask you, <laughs> mm. and then we'll do letters. <laughs> Would you yeah. rather, because we've, we've got to do something, there's been a lot that's gone on culturally this last week. Indeed. Would you rather go to Glastonbury or, or go down in that carbon fibre submarine? Oh! <laughs> I yeah. thought that would be a toughie for you. <laughs> <laughs> Even thinking about it. Um, I must admit that Glasto plus glamping plus healing fields might be the way to go. Yes, maybe if you were in a lovely bell tent. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I kept on, because I follow, um, obviously, because obviously, obviously I do, I follow like Woman's Hour mm-hmm. um, and Joe Wiley. And mm-hmm. um, so all the things where they were presenting from, you know, basically backstage looked it looks Bloody classy, lovely. doesn't it? That, really, that would really be the nice. dream. That would be the dream, yeah. obviously, would be would be presenting yeah. one of the um I don't know, the BBC coverage or something. Oh, oh, I mean that would be that would be amazing. But then I was also reading there was some lovely bits on The Guardian, because obviously that's what I was reading. There's some lovely they were talking about people's experiences. Um and there was one thing that was talking about your experience of sex at Glastonbury. And there was one one person there that was talking about how she and her partner had gone. They had a tiny little tent, and it was like during a, a kind of horrible, biblical, muddy, rainy year. And that they decided to shag in the tent, but they both kept their wellies on and stuck their feet out the end so that they wouldn't, because they didn't want to take their wellies off. Oh and my then God. also to try and put them on again. And I just thought, that's, what it's that's all minging. About. It's minging. <laughs> is like that's what it's all about i'm like it's moving oh my god just awful. oh that's so funny oh yeah i mean it did look it looked it looked glorious also i would just like to clarify that i'm not laughing at the deaths of the submarine people no, but i did no. think that the given the option uh that might be of, of sort of camping in a muddy field and there was pause for thought uh, yeah yes, i thought that, that that would be a difficult conundrum for you i'd i'd you know you know me i'd i'd absolutely fucking 
hate it. And I, I have been dragged to festivals in my early 20s. I'd never been to Glastow, despite where we I know, live. I would love to, but, but because I've been it's to... so difficult. I've tried to get to have you been? Have you not been? No, Doug's been because he's he's mm. managed to um, work there once, which was actually... Yeah really good I think like he had to do eight hours a day but he I think they were split shifts so it'd be four hours he was doing yeah. sound in a tent I think one of the sorry not sound in a tent he was helping run one of the stages um and yeah. um, and I think he did yeah four hours on and then he'd get eight hours to go and explore the festival and then he'd do another four hours and then he, I think he was absolutely I've never seen more of a more broken man yeah because I think he was also getting on it after said shift yeah. and then having to wake up in the morning and do it all over again but he had the best time I'd love to do it but um I, yeah I, I don't selfishly I don't really want to go and sort of be a steward or something I would quite like to just enjoy the experience if I was going to go um oh god I'd absolutely hate it especially if it was like imagine it was really if it was tipping it down and you were having to stand in oh, the rain all of and that. point people in the right direction or whatever I just think I would like to awful. go as a punter but it is just so difficult to get tickets we tried a couple of years ago when yeah. we actually got a group together and a sort of let's do a spreadsheet and let's try and kind of yeah couldn't Still do it no. couldn't do it no it's so far I remember back in the early when I was about 18 I remember um, getting on a train with a friend of mine called Sally because she wanted to get tickets. And back then you had to go to specific record shops to go and get oh, the tickets. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A colleague of ours yeah. has talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. so funny. So she had to, we we kind of, I, I have no idea where we were. I have a feeling we might have been in Islington, you know. We went to a, a tiny little record shop where she went and bought two tickets to Glastonbury. And I remember them being 60-something pounds, like <gasps> 65 quid, which at the time I thought, fucking hell, 65 quid? Are you joking? Where'd you get that money from? And how? Could, why would you possibly spend that much money yeah. on it? You know, I, I could I not get my head around it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get my head around it at all. Um, but she was like, oh, well, you know, if you go to a gig, it would be this, that, and the other. Um, so I remember her going and absolutely loving it. And in more recent years, like when Dave and I first got together, so maybe 13 years ago, there was um, a friend of ours who could still jump the fence. So 13 years ago, it was still perfectly possible to, so she, I know that she kind of got snuck in mm-hmm. um, a couple of times. I know I knew loads of people at school that all snuck I in. would, I, yeah, I think that would be amazing. I'm not going to lie. It has crossed my mind and um Doug as well was talking about this same idea where he he went to an event on the Monday night so I think the festival people start sort of I think trade people start arriving on the kind of Tuesday and then festival goers start arriving on the Wednesday and Doug went to an event on the Monday night so everything all set up uh and it was like a uh I'm I'm not sure it was like a creative thing commercial creative thing where they were like Mm. doing some like talks and networking and things and um and he got a sticker on his car to allow him access into the festival. And he was oh. like, he was thinking of places that he could hide on the month, just for the Monday night. Yeah. And then from Tuesday, he could probably sort of pull it off as I'm here for the, yeah. I'm here for the festival. Yeah. Um, so there we go. That's a potential way in. You could always yeah. sort of, did you, did, and did you see that photograph of the? I think it's a photograph of lads that smuggled in someone 
in and they're smuggling someone in and there are policemen on either side of them and what they've done is they've rolled a person up into a rug basically so it looks and like they're just bringing in a rug it clear but clearly person shaped i mean it looks like they're getting rid of a dead body but it's not there is some there's a, oh a cheese raver tucked up in this kind of sheet and they're just they're waltzing him in so we could all do that oh we could do that of course yeah. we could all be three people in a trench coat Three people just buy one classic. <laughs> Absolute classic. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we could do that. Uh, oh, but yeah, well, generally speaking, it wouldn't be me anyway because I'd hate it. So No, yeah. I think you I, I definitely agree that you would enjoy the camping, you'd enjoy a glamping episode. I think mm. I think the thing that does fill me a little bit with fear post COVID, I would love to go desperately, but the amount of people freak me out mm. a little bit and how you could stand in a crowd. Like Doug was telling me that there were people from eight o'clock in the morning uh, on the Sunday um, mm. for within their full like feather boas and sunglasses and things waiting for Elton John to start at nine. Yeah. But yeah, they, they saw, wanted to be right at the front of the Right at the thing. front. Can you imagine how many bottles dedication. of piss you yeah. would fill? What? <laughs> there was also, there were... A- there were other people in The Guardian that were saying that they, all my information comes from The Guardian, mm. um, there were other people in The Guardian talking about how they'd taken an emodium specifically so they wouldn't need a shite, you know, oh, while they were yeah, waiting for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's and actually a like, really good idea. Oh, no, it's not. Have you ever taken an emodium? I have taken an emodium, but only when I've had diarrhoea, so. I mean, it's the worst thing in the world. You'd have three days of discomfort, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, <laughs> you'd be clogged. All that, clogged all just that for Elton? Worth it for Elton, for some, Is it, it seems. Mm. It might be worth it for Macca, but not Elm. Oh, that would have been that's... amazing. That would have been amazing. I did watch that on the telly when... Yeah. I didn't yeah, watch Elton, actually. I might catch up with a bit. We watched the Nor Friday night Likewise. coverage, but yeah, I might catch yeah. up with some of the weekend stuff. Um, yeah. Shall I read you a letter? Yeah. Should we do well, a jingle? Okay, go on. Let's do another jingle. This one's going to be pretty okay. good this time. Okay, ready? <clears throat> Letters. letters. <laughs> it's your letters. letters. Oh, we had letters. an idea actually for what we were, we oh. were going to call it. What we were going to call it. What are you saying? What, I can't remember. What are you saying? What are you saying? Oh yeah. What are you yeah. saying? What are you saying? Okay, that's the jingle. What are you <laughs> yeah. saying? Yeah. Uh, this one's yeah. quite short, but I just thought it would be really interesting to um, to hear your thoughts on it. So this Mm -hmm. is from Bethan. She said, I'm new to women's running, Patreon and, well, running too, really. I'm not sure if this is the right place to ask. It absolutely is. Go for it. But I was wondering whether earphones are allowed in races or if it's just a big no. I personally can't run without them. I'm training towards a half marathon and I can't imagine running 14 miles just thinking about what I'm going to have for tea that night and whether the kids have clean uniform for the morning. Thanks, Bethan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very interesting one. one. Let's discuss. Let's discuss. So... I remember this coming and up. And also welcome uh, to the community, Bethan. Sorry. Indeed. <laughs> Join in. Um, I remember this being a big hot topic in terms of what goes on in my horrible mind. Um, ahead of the bath half in 2020 um, and also Berlin. And those are the two races I can remember doing where the communication from the race event organisers was absolutely no headphones and yeah, some races bo- will say that won't they where they will just yeah. say no and for both yeah they son they'll say no and for both of those i have looked around and i have been one of very few people wearing headphones but 
for both of those, I ignored what they said and wore headphones. So sometimes I've gone ahead and I've just worn like in-ear headphones. I think I did in 2020. I remember that I did it in 2020 because one of them fell out. Mm-hmm. gutted um but recently i've had bone conducting headphones and actually usually now in races they say that it's fine for you to wear bone conducting headphones usually it's usually only in bigger races they're kind of well no that's not true actually i think in smaller races they're concerned about the fact that road closures aren't full so sometimes you know like a small if you're doing a 10k that's maybe kind of a bit more rural um, and they've only closed like half a road or something. They're they're just worried about you and traffic and safety yeah. and you know whatever. And also to ensure that you can hear when people sort of shout things to you. Um, I've I have never ever been policed in my headphone wear. No, neither have ever. I. So that's the main thing. That's the main thing. But also, I'm I am crucially I am aware of my own safety with these things. So that if it is a smaller race, and I hadn't been wearing. Um, bone conducting headphones so I'm wearing ones that actually kind of are kind of in my ears then I make sure that I'm listening to something that's not kind of big loud pounding kind of dance music I mean oh, you love big that pound be love, my... loud dance I love music that yeah always listening to that that's the only thing that gets me around <laughs> um so I you know I you know I listen to audiobooks so that's that's my thing of choice the headphones I wear are shocks and they do come in quite toppy, like around sort of 130, 140, mm. something like that. Um, I specifically have a pair that are made for smaller heads, which I really like because sometimes they I saw that they do that. Yeah, that's yeah, what Yeah, that's got. really good. Really, really, really like them. Um, but I'd noticed because we had them in the magazine as a review, I have not reviewed them, but there are lots of other bone conducting headphones that aren't made by Shocks, that are made by lots of other brands that are much, much cheaper. I've seen a pair for, I think, £40. So oh, that's pretty good. They're a much more reasonable, I don't know, in terms of quality, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're someone that listens to music when you run, I mean, A, who are you? But if you are a music listener, then I think the audio um, quality is, is, of, uh, is, is much more pertinent. Um, than if you if you listen to words like what I do, so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of less bothered about audio. Also, I'm partially deaf, so like I just don't care yeah. as long as I can actually hear it. Um, but basically, po- I think they're unlikely, right, to say. So you know, bone conducting headphones if you're going to be playing by the book, but mm. they're unlikely to say, "What are you doing? Get those. Get off this course." If- Mo- yeah, mostly. Have a, have a look at the uh, the stuff that they send through to you. But all I've seen and things like London Marathon, it will come through and it will say you can wear bone conducting headphones and it specifically suggests that's that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, but and other races, I haven't been in another race where it specifically says no. Oh, no, that's that's a lie. I was going to say because the other one was Berlin and I think Berlin said no headphones. And I completely ignored it, turned up with bone conducting headphones, looked around me, and I have to say, not many people were wearing headphones in that race. There, mm-hmm. I was one of very, very few, but there were others. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get I didn't get hauled off by any German police. Yeah. Which was that's which is good, good news. I so. would say the fear that Bethan mentioned of like uh of of running along and going having to spend two, two and a half hours going what am I going to have for tea tonight? And who, mm. like, have I done everything I need to do for work tomorrow or whatever? I am a 
um, a non-headphone runner with, with races and similarly every training run that I ever do I have headphones in um the last couple that I've done I've run with people which has obviously made that a lot easier because then you've got someone to talk to but I have run two half marathons where I didn't have headphones in once Mm. because I didn't want to and once because I couldn't get them to work um and uh both of those that was completely on my own when I was running on my own and both of those times I found that there was enough going on I guess it depends on the race, but I found that there was enough going on. There were enough sort of stands with people cheering you on. There were enough um, things with that, you know, sometimes there'll be bands playing. When we did Paris, for example, I, you you definitely didn't need headphones to keep you entertained in Paris. There were were about 20 bands. There was almost one every kilometer, probably. That's true. That's true. Although, I mean, I do absolutely thoroughly concur that if you're running with someone, um, then that yeah it, it it makes it it kind of gets rid of that sort of n- need necessarily yeah. and it is it is absolutely and so I have run I don't think I've run a race necessarily but I've definitely run long distances with other people and speaking from someone that is a complete lonely goat that has made the experience go quicker and be much more enjoyable but I've also been I remember my first ever half was the bath half um like 20 years ago and they they then said absolutely no headphones mm. and what i failed to do then because i was an idiot was to do any of my training without headphones and so i remember that that was painful and difficult oh, really? and really hard to do because i just i just wasn't used to it and I, yeah. I wasn't used to having that complete lack of i don't know something to to have there were too many new experiences going on you know, so I I was no headphones, first ever half marathon, mm-hmm. you know, lots and lots of people that I was running with, da, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. So I found it really, really overwhelming. And what I love about wearing headphones is that you can kind of retreat a bit from all these I outside. I do get what you mean. Yeah. Horrible experiences. But you do, you have to do what, what works for you, basically. But I yeah. would say, unless it, unless, I mean, I think, I think it's things like, you know, like UTMB or like, mm. you know, big kind of hairy kind of fell racing things. You really don't want to be listening to the latest Richard Osman because you, you really need to yeah, specifically wits about you. Yeah. 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 And, but something that, you know, a local road race, I'm sure that they say it because they don't, if something did happen, if, if you missed a noise or if somebody shouted at you to get out of the way. But the only thing I can think is that it is useful for sometimes is um, if somebody else has an accident and they're trying to get mm. past with a, one of those little motorbikes that says blood on the back or whatever. Um, yeah. And uh, very, very occasionally, like at the bath half last year, there was someone who had to be carted off in an ambulance and they had to sort of move everybody over to the other side of the road in order to work the ambulance up the road. And um, mm. I imagine that that is probably a, a big reason as well. But on mm-hmm. the whole, I think in a road race, I'd bring them and see mm. how you feel. And because that's what I've done all of those times as well. I've always brought headphones. I just have put them in and gone, actually, I don't really like this experience. I think I sometimes feel a bit the opposite to you, Esther, where I feel a bit overwhelmed by the fact mm. that there's so much going on around me, but I'm sort of deaf to all of it. And it makes yeah. me feel a little bit like, oh, what if someone says something to me or what if I miss something? Yeah. Or So uh, I've preferred to do it without, but I totally feel you on 
preferring to run with if you've done all your training with yeah and do you know yeah. it's, and it's interesting to think like when I was thinking about the, the two London marathons that I did because I did them in quick succession I had two very different audible experiences um in that and I don't mean that as a capital A I meant that as a lowercase oh I thought you were it, it is, on it commission is, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, but if they so wish um but I I definitely like the first time round because it was a sensory overload I didn't listen to any apart from the sexy bits of the book that I was listening to on mm. that first run and on the second one I listened to it a lot but there, it, there is a big big difference between listening to the spoken word and listening to music and also listening to kind of closed ear headphones like something that's you know and I think quite a lot of headphones that are made for running even ones that aren't bone conducting will have a kind of hear through thing now so you can yeah. you can hear lots of traffic and noise and da, 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 so you can always do that yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I do love the idea of being able to kind of withdraw into my kind of Esther cave when I'm running along, which is what it's I just do nice to have the option, isn't it? Time. And yeah, unless it it's something that you think it will be dangerous, not dangerous to wear them for. And if you do have mm. that fear, then bone conducting headphones is always a good option. Yeah, exactly. God, look at us oh. with our advice. I know. <laughs> I actually feel a bit sick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go and eat crisps now. Do it. <laughs> I'm going to go and have a tuna salad. (laughs) (laughs) We're so predictable. (laughs) So predictable. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Come and join us on Patreon. You can get a ton of extra Pod Squad benefits from just £2 a month, including newsletters, live chats, and you can join our brand new Pod Squad chat room too. For just £6 a month, you can listen to bonus podcasts too. There are now five extra ones to listen to and another one on its way. Go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash women's running to find out more. This podcast was recorded over Zencaster. The editor and composer was David Newman. Please hit like and subscribe. That way you won't miss the next episode. Do please email us at wrpodcast at anthem.co.uk with any questions or running stories, as we would love to include them in a future podcast. Happy running. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 